0: so we're going to kick this one off right here We're talking about the jack eichel trade situation but let's break down some breaking news it seems to be the day of the goaltender here in the nhl as i believe four goaltenders have signed new deals today uh Ilya samsonov signs a one year two million dollar deal with the washington capitals no surprise there But a couple big surprises, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, After Carter Hart's kind of up and down season last year, and we talked last week about the need for them to bolster the defense in Philly, they've gone and signed the goaltender now to a three-year extension at about $4 million per year, 3.979. Just want to get your opinion. Obviously, Samsonov, we know, is a capable goaltender in the NHL for the Washington Capitals. But what about Carter Hart? Do you feel... A three-year deal is something they should have locked him into, or should you go gone a year deal and see where it carries him from there, especially after he was kind of up and down? I know the history and the pedigree of the player, but I get a little worried seeing, you know, not a huge track record in the NHL getting signed to a deal like that.
1: Yeah. Um, of hearts, an interesting one because he, like you said, he's been up and down. I don't know if a three year deal was the right answer for Philadelphia. I mean, it's good for Carter Hart because I believe that walks him right to free agency, um, which is maybe that's something Philly wanted to do as well. Because, if, you know, it doesn't work out. He can just walk. I mean, you never want to let players go for no assets, but uh, there's a quick way to get rid of someone if you don't need them anymore. I mean, goal goaltending in Philadelphia is one of the most thankless jobs in the world that I can think of. They hate them. But, um, I like I like the the price point. I hate this thing where players try to incorporate their junior number into their salary. Uh, you know, a couple of players that have done that now. It's like, dude, just take the four million. You don't need to take the three point nine one three seven or whatever the hell it was. Uh, it just makes it more complicated and. You know, Carter Hart, he's going to be one of those guys that I think that this next two or three years, it's we're going to see what he really is and if he is the next up-and-coming goaltender in Philadelphia or if he's just going to be another one of these cases that kind of falls off the wagon and he ends up backing up somebody somewhere else. Um, I hope he does well, though. I like the guy. I always liked to watch him play, especially in junior. So all the best to him.
0: No, he's definitely a beast in junior. I mean, he showed flashes in the NHL, and that's why I believe... Philly went and did what they did with their defense. When it got tougher, when it got more character, when it got more care, you know, building around that kind of stuff. Uh, another goaltender signing today, and that's in New York. Uh, Igor Shishkin signs his new four-year deal. Here's a fresh off from Frank Saravelli. It's a four-year deal, twenty-two point six 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 six. The sign of the devil million with the AAV of five six five per year. Um, I don't know. New York seems to be turning up the heat, much like the LA Kings as a uh, coming around and off that rebuild letter they send out to their fans so i'm wondering what you think of shisterkin in new york and does that do ink the new era i guess between the pipes for the new york rangers
1: uh the shisterkin deal i i didn't really think too much of it but then i kind of thought about it and he seems to be one of the guys or maybe one of the only guys that has come over from the khl and still been consistent uh, and keeping up with his numbers that he had over in the KHL, like his last three seasons there, he was a nine three seven, nine three three, and then a nine five three, which is just phenomenal. Uh, and you know, he comes over here, has a nine three four in the AHL, a nine three two in his first season with the Rangers, and a nine sixteen last season, which that's not bad. That. A nine sixteen, if you have average goaltending, then you're you're laughing in the NHL.
0: Um well, you know, especially 30- playing for a Rangers team that wasn't exactly above par either. You exactly. know, they were kind of short handed, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, two point six two goals against average. You could probably lower that down this season. Like that is a team stat; they could get better. I mean, he started thirty five games, nine sixteen save percentage. He's carried over those that, that consistency from the KHL. It did drop a little bit this year, but that's going to happen. Um, but it's nice to see a success story of a goaltender coming over from, you know, KHL or Europe or wherever else, you know, they get the goaltenders forward. It actually worked out for one. So good for him. I'm sure we all remember the Jonas Gustavsson saga here. So it's nice to see Igor Shesterkin working out in New York. And that's another team I hope does well, because the NHL is good. Big. Like the NHL is at its best when these big powerhouse teams are also at their best. Like you want, you want your top 10 teams market size to be the top 10 teams in the NHL. So
2: one hundred
0: percent. You always want that. I mean, we have no vested interest in liking the Montreal Canadiens, but the league is better when they're better in it. So, yeah. you know, there well, you go. Maybe All right. So let's swing into the topic du jour. Obviously, we have a little rundown here. We're going to be joined by Terry Koshan of the Toronto Sun to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs a little later on. So excuse the fact that we're not going to go heavy on the Maple Leafs to kick it off here, folks, but we are going to talk a little bit about Jack Eichel and the trade. And for me, I want to ask you this, Jack Eichel, obviously has the injury the situations coming up now where campus like you know coming up with a month and a half away um you don't want this hanging over your organization we've seen what it did at the maple Leafs when guys didn't have contracts all the circus the hoopla all those things you do not want to have around your team when you're trying to build positive energy for a team that's been probably pretty much bottom of the barrel and probably will be down there again this year trading off a lot of great players like wrist to line Uh, You lose line to Salmark. you you trade these guys away, Reinhardt. You know, now you're trying to build that Jack Eichel trade. But for me, I look at it right now and I say, I think the Buffalo Sabres are absolutely pooched because they're not going to be able to get what they want. The asking price the Sabres have is basically three first-round prospects and a first-round pick is what they want, or two first-round picks and two top prospects. And if you look at it, uh, the one rumor that was out there was uh, Drysdale and Zegras plus two first from the Anaheim Ducks is what they wanted for Eichel. Now that's, that is a bounty to yeah. get for Jack. Like, and I don't understand it's Jack Eichel, but at the same time, this is a Jack Eichel that you're not really allowing other teams to look under the hood of this car and know what's going on with his neck, know what they can find out from this fusion surgery. And I know teams are probably doing their due diligence to figure this out, but at the same time, What version of Jack Eichel are you getting? Are you getting Jack Eichel that was that dominant guy that played for the Buffalo Sabres, or are you getting now a watered down version of Jack Eichel because that injury could hamper him for the rest of his career. Fusion surgery has stopped guys careers in other industries like wrestling. You look at guys like edge, you look at guys. um, I'll use edge. as just an example. He went away for a while and came back, you know, but did he come back the same? I don't think so. You know, obviously you still have to take something off of what you've done. You can't go the full bore you used to go. And I know age is a factor on edge too, but I'm yeah. just using it as one example of, you know, slowing down and you look at the NHL, you're taking a lot more bumps and grinds on a regular basis than you are as a WWE superstar. So I'm wondering for you, you look at Jack Eichel and you look at this trade, do you think the Buffalo Sabres can get the maximum amount that they want? Or do you think that ship has sailed and now they probably have to go with the best package available if they want to move Jack Eichel, which it seems like Eichel wants to go and the Sabres probably want him to go too.
1: I mean, there's so much to this, like to to get a full picture of it, you kind of have to back it up. Um, Like when the injury came out, uh, he wanted to get the surgery and the team didn't want him to do it. Uh, The team physicians preferred like a conservative rehab approach, I think they called it, so that he could return to play this year uh eichel wanted a second opinion opinion which is in his right it's part of the the cba so but he did do the rehab after that was over the team medical staff suggested a surgery uh, the fusion you were talking about it could lead to some loss in range of motion and you know it might require surgery later there was a great if you want to learn more about the surgery because i'm not going to pretend i know the full details of it yep. there was a, they had that doctor on 31 thoughts that was a great listen um, but pretty much, Kevin Adams had to say that our doctors aren't comfortable with a surgery that's never been done on a hockey player before. Which you know I understand that, but also the player needs to feel safe playing. Then you have to look at the business side of it, where the asking price is way too high. Like at, at this point, I think there were four teams in on um, in on Eichel, and now there only seems to be two. Like. The the Kings moved on. The Wild have backed off, but that probably has something to do with the dead cap space they have on the books from buying out Suter and Parise. I know the Rangers have been sniffing around, but I think it came out either yesterday or today that they've kind of moved on because they wanted the Sabres to retain 50%, and I don't think that was ever going to happen you know, Vegas is always in on everybody and they're actually more, one of the re- more reasonable teams to make it happen because they could ship Alex Tuck, who's making 4.75 and Riley Smith, who's making five. So, you know, you just freed up 9.75. All you got to do is get 250,000 out of there. And that's um, Michael's, uh, you know, paid for. And then the ducks are in there too. But like you said, that price is too high and Anaheim's on the up and up. Uh, they're not going to want to get rid of Zgrass and Drysdale. That's going to be two staples on their team for the next hope, and you know the blue jackets are in there too the kraken may get involved but i don't think they would because they passed up on tarasenko which we'll get to later
0: yeah
1: i mean but but the wrench in all of this is when the agents came out and fired their shot um it, it just wasn't good like you know I don't know. And then Kevin Adams, isn't a good GM. One quote that he said that got me was he said, we're in control of this process. We have a player under contract. We don't feel any pressure. If there's a deal out there that we feel is going to help us improve right away or down the road, we'd be open to it, but we're not going yeah. to do something to do that. It doesn't make any sense. You've got to move this guy because his value is just depreciating over time. If he doesn't play, people are going to say, well, he hasn't played for a while. If he's playing injured, people are going to say, well, he's playing injured. The only good thing that can come out of this on Buffalo's behalf is they let him do the surgery. He comes back better than ever. And, you know, you also got to mix in, maybe Eichel doesn't want to be there anymore. It's such a bad culture in Buffalo, and it has been his whole career. So uh, there's only one way I can see this ending. It's that Eichel's traded for a value that Buffalo didn't want to trade him for, but they had to get something at the end of the day.
0: Yep. No, that's exactly where I think it's going to go. And I look at Kevin Adams. He really is trying to take the Yarmo Kekalinen approach. You know, you know, we control the player. The player is under contract. You know, it's within our rights to exercise our rights on his contract to move him where we want to and do what we want to do. You know, that's the Kekalainen way or was, you know, that's the, what the stance they took with Dubois. And I think that's the same thing Buffalo's trying to do. But at the same time, like you said, there's many teams out there that are backing off and don't want to pay the price, backing off and don't want to – be a part of this you know and I yeah. think the same thing we'll touch on Tarasenko but you got to look at what's going on with the injury and you know how far you're able to go and, and get all these different things and speak with Jack and his doctors and you don't know if Buffalo's allowing them to do that either before they get this player which you know you want to. Be I, your home.
1: I heard that like
0: people who have
1: made serious trade offers they were sending them the records and all that and, uh, which may
0: have cooled off some teams too at the same it, it, time
1: It may have had, like, we don't have, it sounds like a pretty serious injury. Like, when you have a fusion surgery, it doesn't sound the best. But, like, you did bring up Edge. Edge has come back and taken some pretty big bumps. The only reason he left for nine months or whatever was because he tore both his pecs, you know, taking an RKO, which was, that sucks, but whatever. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I hope Eichel comes back healthy. I hope, but it's, a hockey player has a very short career compared to a regular job. Like, you're probably looking at, what, eight to 12 years is a long career for an NHL player. So at the top of the game, average. Um, But whereas like a regular job, like you and I will be at our job for, you know, 35, 45, 50 years. So these guys, they've got to make their money. They got to be happy where they are. And at the end of the day, they want to win. And, you know, if Eichel's not feeling like he can do that in Buffalo, then it's time to move on and you can get quite a haul for him, but maybe you're asking too much right now.
0: I think you're asking too much for, like you said, a depreciating asset that's sitting there, A, not playing, B, not healthy, B, not happy, and C, not happy. Uh, speaking I do, of happy, Vladimir.
1: Hang on, hang on. I do have a theory, though. Go ahead. It, it, it's out there, but it's off-season hockey, so I'm going to throw it out there. What if this is all a ruse so they can put them on LTIR for whatever reason for the whole season, and then you come back next year, you got Owen Power playing because he is probably going to go back to Michigan because he never got the full school experience. So you come back in 2022, 2023 with Owen Power, Shane Wright and Jack Eichel rejoining the team. Buffalo is a hell of a lot better there. I just, you know, maybe that happens.
0: Listen, there's only one team that's gearing up for Shane Wright and probably Connor Bedard. And then they're going to make a big swing at a guy that plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's the Arizona Coyotes. So, you know, keep those players tucked away for the right team, buddy, because they're going to get, Mr. Matthews and everybody else to go down to Arizona. That's Arizona's, what's going to happen.
1: Arizona's going to figure out a way to lose its first round
0: draft pick again. Oh, don't worry. It'll, it'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. Well, speaking of guys who are happy and teams that are unhappy with a player, you don't usually leave a superstar like player like Vladimir Tarasenko exposed on an expansion draft and have a team that has the ability to pick him up for nothing, absolutely nothing, pass him over. So, I mean, obviously, they got Vince Dunn, great young defenseman. We'll probably add them some quality minutes and do great things for that team. But a player like Vladimir Tarasenko, you have to wonder how bad the shoulder is. He's approaching 30. Um, You know, doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of interest around the league for this guy. I think if you, again, with the dark cloud thing, if you don't want that hanging around your organization, you're going to have to cut bait here and take a deal that you probably didn't think was going to be the best for your organization. But I look at it like this, you were already prepared to lose this asset for nothing to Seattle. Nothing but cap space. So the same thing could be applied here. Nothing but cap space. We've seen the trades happen already. If you're that interested in getting rid of Vladimir Tarasenko off your books to do different things, maybe bring in a couple of guys that are still toiling in free agency. This is what you do. You cut bait and send them somewhere. I don't know. Arizona's buying everybody up like they're at a buffet. So maybe that's where you send them. I don't think that Vladimir Tarasenko is going to fetch them what they hoped. And like I said, if you're willing to give them up for nothing, teams aren't going to pay the sun, the moon, the stars to get Vladimir Tarasenko with a bad shoulder. And we just talked about looking under the hood. Teams have looked, and you've heard from Elliot Friedman, and looked at what was going on with his medical records, and it kind of cooled them off on him as well. So got to wonder, maybe he goes with Uncle Lou in Long Island. And that's why these deals that for some of these players haven't been announced yet because they're hoping that they get Terrasanko over there, but you have to wonder what's going on there. And I really think that's a player you have to get rid of out of your organization. Uh, a, he's unhappy. B, you're unhappy. So see him out the door. What, what are you waiting for?
1: Well, over the last two seasons in 2019, 2020, he played 10 games. You know, he had 10 points, three goals, seven assists. And then the following season, the most recent one, you know, 20, 24 games played, four goals, 10 assists, I know it's a short sample size, but that shoulder doesn't seem to be holding up well because you base it off. Like if we look at a 64 game season, for example, 21 goals, need to assist 43 points, you know, about half of that. He only got 24. Like, is that a drop off? Is that enough to measure it? it? This is such a tough situation. I mean, the whole Tarasenko thing with the injury and not quite knowing what it is him being unhappy I've heard that he should have been traded by now. And, you know, he's only diminishing his value. If they're hanging on to him that long, the trajectory is not getting much better. Um, you know, Armstrong doesn't sound like he's, it does sound like he's asking for too much for him. I think there was probably about what well, it was probably five, five or six teams interested, probably only two now. Yep. Uh, New Jersey, I think is an option. You know, they got Dougie Hamilton. They still have 22.1 million in cap space. he, they want to add a top six forward, but then they did go and add Brandon Sod. So we'll see what happens there. Carolina is another one, but they don't like to pay their players. So
0: no. And
1: yeah. they, and I believe they still need to sign Andre Svechnikov. I don't know if they've done that yet.
0: No, they have not.
1: So they still need to re-sign him. So that's probably taking up between six to 8 million. I'm not even going to try and guess what they're going to try and pay him. And then, you know, some clubs, maybe they're thinking Seattle still. I don't know about that, though, because the rumor is Francis did want to take Tarasenko in the expansion draft, but then flip him to another team. But the issue was Ron Francis wanted free reign on um, where he could send players that he was trading, and Tarasenko has a no move, So that kind of, you know, said no to that idea. But it's very interesting. They did put him up for uh, the expansion draft. And I just think that's because... I think people are looking too far into it. It's one of those things where players injured, um, you don't know what you're getting. Why would you waste a pick on a Tarasenko that might only play 20 games for you when you could get a Vince Dunn who's going to be a phenomenal player for your franchise? It's one of those things. Seattle's going to want to make a bang as soon as they start. They're guaranteed to get games out of Vince Dunn. They might not have gotten any in their first season out of Tarasenko. So it makes sense to me. I, I understand that move.
0: No, very true. I mean, there's a few picks that Seattle did make. You're like, oh, why'd you waste a pick there? But we can get into that another day. Okay, we'll move on from the uh, disgruntled player front. And we're going to get into Dusty Amu here. He was hired by the Marlies. Um, He's a Jack Campbell whisperer, obviously uh, brought Soupy along and re- reinvigorated his game, so to speak. But unfortunately, as with some things, when you are not exactly who you portray yourself to be, your social media can be your worst enemy. And, well, Leafs fans definitely dug into Dusty Moves' social media side and found some things they did not like. Now I'm wondering if this hire is going to stay with the Toronto Maple Leafs or at least the Toronto Marlies um, due to the fact of what he has, obviously, on the political side of things. But just stuff that he's aligned with doesn't align with what the organization is putting out. And you see the cry across the NHL For teams that are stepping on a line, whether it's Carolina, whether it's the Chicago Blackhawks, Um, you know, New York had their their time with Tony D'Angelo as well. Um, You know, you don't want to be stepping on a line right now. Uh, Not that you ever do, but you definitely don't want to put yourself, you know, under a microscope if you don't have to. And this gentleman does seem to have a heavy spotlight on him right now for what he's done, um, you know, with the social media and things that he believes in. But that being said, he is the guy that brought Jack Campbell along. And that's obviously what the Marlies are betting on and hoping to bring along some of their young goaltenders. Do you see Dusty staying around with the Marlies or do you see the Maple Leafs saying, Hey, we did not realize this. We have to walk this back.
1: It's interesting. Um, So to be quite honest, I had not heard of this guy until all this news broke. I had no idea who he was. So I looked into him. It seems like he has coached some good goaltenders. Um, and then I looked into why there was backlash about the hire. And it, it reminded me of, of in school, we had, a, I forget the name of the class, but uh, at, at sports management at Humber, I'll give them a shout out because it's a great program. Uh, they, they talk about an organization, which is the Maple Leafs. They are an organization, MLSE. They have values and they want people to and, so, you know, stay in line with their values and their beliefs. And it, it, the Leafs are an inclusive team. You know, they have all the. Um, they have all these outreach programs, a lot of community base. They have, you know, pride nights. They have military nights. They try to include everybody. And yep. it didn't seem like this guy's values and morals lined up with what the Leaps believe in and what they're supporting. Now, I, correct me if I'm wrong, because I may be wrong here. He hasn't actually legally done anything wrong. It's just, he kind of liked some tweets that may have raised some eyebrows. Is that
0: like some tweets, a- some tweets. Yeah. Just, you know, commented on some tweets been a part of some things that that didn't sit well I, mean, I guess wouldn't sit well with the core values of what the Leafs are portraying right right so that's, that's what fans are on
1: so if, if that is the case yeah that then that's the that's the weirdest part about this whole thing is that they would make this hire without knowing that this had happened or hiring someone who doesn't align with their vision and their morals and their values so I don't know where they go from here because he you know he legally hasn't done anything wrong he hasn't actually started his job yet so they couldn't dismiss him for doing his job properly i don't know the legal grounds for letting someone go based on tweets breach a code liked. of ethics yeah but i don't know if that, i don't know if that covers it right so it's going to be interesting to see maybe they'll put out a statement in a couple of days saying we understand this we understand that dusty has agreed to take a you know a humanitarian course or whatever
0: yeah um Walk it back without walking the person back.
1: Yeah, it was a very strange situation. Uh, he did deactivate his Twitter account, though, which...
0: Really quickly.
1: Yeah. Maybe maybe do that before you hire the guy, if you knew about it. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I just... Um, like I said, we're, we're right now, there is such a hypersensitivity for things that go on, you know, mm-hmm. with people's lives and the way that we're looking at things differently and we want to be inclusive. And we want to make sure that everybody is a part of this game you know, you definitely don't want that hanging around your organization. So, yeah, I think there'll be something coming out from MLS, MLS, MLSC, Wow. can't speak guys. 4am is a bad thing to do. Trust me. Um, you know, and I think they'll definitely put something out to, I don't know, calm the waters, so to speak. But uh, I do think that this will probably disappear.
2: Yeah. Not,
0: not the story, uh, not this stuff. I just think that everything will do, you'll be, you won't hear much from Dusty. He'll you know, be behind the scenes and taking care of what he needs to take care of, but he won't be in the forefront to be questioned or talked about or whatever.
1: I mean, maybe you know they told, mean. you know, maybe they knew about this. They said, it's okay. You can just jump in with some of our start programs and, you know, have a good image on the community. Like,
0: yeah, you can, you can get yourself back to where you need to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So another thing, let, let's go on the, uh, the positive we're going to do, uh, we'll switch it up here. We're going to go walk it back for the last thing. So we'll bleed in with some leaf stuff going into Terry Coshan. Um, Just want to shout out Ethan Bear for being an yeah, this was awesome solid dude. Um, took a young man, you know, hockey shopping, got him all the gear, got him all geared up to go to uh, Ethan Bear's camp and be a part of it. I thought that was absolutely awesome. So tip of the cap to Ethan Bear just for being a 100% solid dude and, you know, helping out a young guy to get him on the ice. That's pretty damn cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen this firsthand uh, at at the place I work. We have, you know, NHL players coming through, NCAA guys, OHL, all of them. Like, I've never seen a bad experience of them interacting with kids and, you know, going out of their way to, you know, sign autographs, take pictures, answer questions. We had, uh, I mean, Evan Bouchard was in at the rink the other day. He was talking with the kids. They were asking him questions about how he tapes his stick. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Um, You know, and like these guys, it's phenomenal, how aware they are of like the 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 lifestyle they live and how lucky they are to have have all these eyes on them especially th- these young kids because they're going to look up to them and if you know if you know Timmy from down the road meets Evan Bouchard and he's super generous and super nice to him he goes wow I want to be like him when I grow up he's going to reciprocate that so it, it's nice to see this I mean Ethan Bear has done so much for his community too uh he's done a lot of charity work a lot of work with indigenous communities to you know get them into the game of hockey too so it's uh it, it's really cool to see stuff like this and I love seeing it
0: no it's absolutely amazing and it's more of those things that we need especially with COVID and everything going on you want the yeah. better stories you want good stories and you know the news reel can take its toll on everybody, and it does lead to a lot of negativity and a lot of, you know, downward spiral kind of stuff. So this stuff here brings everybody up, gets everybody happy and excited. Mm-hmm. Speaking of it, excited. Well, it looks like we're going to the Olympics, boys and girls. It is it's been announced that John Cooper will be the head coach of Team Canada for the 2022 Beijing Olympics, bringing along Bruce Cassidy, Peter DeBoer, and Barry Trotz on his bench. Josh, do you think the NHL is 100% committed to going to the Olympic Games? I ask this because they still intend on having an NHL All-Star weekend as well.
1: Yeah, see, I go back, on for- back and forth on this because the schedule was released, and I think there was an Olympic break built into it, no?
0: There is, but like I said, there's also that break built in for the good old Olympic break. So, Or not the Olympic break, the, the, All-Star, uh, the All-Star break. Yeah. break
1: so... so- I mean, you could technically do both. Like, you can still have an All-Star game. You just won't have your All-Stars there. So maybe call it, like, the NHL Fan Fest or whatever. You know, but that might actually be more fun, an All-Star game with a bunch of third and fourth liners. That would be pretty cool. I'd give these guys a chance to shine. Um, uh, For the Olympics, yeah, they'll probably go. They kind of have to go. I think it was a major uh, bargaining chip when they amended the CBA. So... Uh, these guys want to go. I mean, good for John Cooper. I think he was the clear pick, you know, Bruce Cassidy, Pete Dubar, Barry Trotz. This is going to be a hot take, but they all just landed the easiest job in hockey in coaching team Canada. I think if you and I step behind the bench, we could figure that out and do it. Like, what do you tell these guys are the best in the world on, you know, the top ranked hockey program in the world. We just say, you know, okay, we're pulling the goalie now, but even the goalie could probably pull himself. And like, I just, uh, I, I saw a tweet and I just started laughing because it was like Mike Babcock is like rolling in his grave right now, just upset. Like, how, how could you not pick me? Like, Mike, your time's over. You <laughs> you took probably in 2010 and 2014, two of the best team Canada's ever assembled. And for some reason made them a defensive juggernaut who won 2-1 against Latvia with 60 shots and gave everybody a heart attack watching the game. So. You know, your, your time's over. What I like about the John Cooper hiring is you look at the way Tampa plays. They're offensive. They run and gun. They want to use their offensive prowess to get a lot of shots and a lot of goals on net. And I think that's what you're going to see from this team, Canada, which is going to be cool. So instead of beating Latvia 2-1, you're beating them 16-0. So.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to be pretty interesting to see Connor McDavid and Mitch Marner possibly on the same line. That'd be pretty neat. it going also be awesome to see Mr. Austin Matthews go up against Connor McDavid. Hope Jack Eichel's uh, available as well, because that'd be pretty fun to see all these guys go for a twirl at the Olympics, you know, down the middle, you got Crosby, you got McDavid. You just look at the names, man. I got into,
1: I, I got into a debate at work with my boss and he says that Drew Doughty definitely deserves to be on team Canada. And I said, no way. Drew Doughty is no longer an Olympian should no longer be on team Canada. If he makes the team, you're the eighth defenseman, bud. Take a seat.
0: Uh, you know what? I think you will make the team. I think you will be the eighth defenseman. Um, well, and only because they'll want some savvy vets. That's all, man. That's the only reason. I think you'll go with the, the young, flashy new toys. But we've seen it through every single Olympic team. There's always those old guys. I mean, come on now. If they invite Duncan Keith, too, I mean, they might as well bring Drew Dowdy. I mean, come on now. Why would you invite either of those guys? <laughs> I know. I, I'm just being facetious. But I mean, at the same time, I, I think Drew Doughty... And his mind still thinks he's, you know, Drew Doughty of that. Caliber. Oh, Drew,
1: Drew Doughty thinks he should have won the Norris last year. <laughs>
0: like
1: he's one of yeah, those guys. Well,
0: I mean, when you, when you're your own agent, I mean, you got to pump your tires wherever you can. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that, that, that comes with the territory. Well, speaking of guys that are getting paid and getting paid handsomely to do things, um, you know, Makar, Darnell Nurse, Zach Um, You know, any more this off season, you look at Seth Jones, all of these defensemen getting paid the big dollar. And here we are in Toronto thinking that one of our own, that we probably will not trade and will not get rid of. And Morgan Riley, we're hearing that he will take a home down discount to stay here. But after you have seen all of these defensemen sign, absolutely banana deals, make all that money, sign for that term, do all that stuff that you probably want to do yourself. Do you see Morgan Riley still towing that line that we reportedly heard that he wants to do and taking that hometown discount and staying with the Toronto Maple Leafs at a lower AAV? Because I say that ship has sailed once this offseason started and those contracts started flowing in. There's absolutely no way that he comes back to the Toronto Maple Leafs on a team-friendly deal, on team-friendly term. I do not think so.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you, you – I forget what these are called. I'm so glad you used the finger things for reportedly because I saw this come out. I'm like, who, who is reporting this? I, I, I didn't see
0: it officially it. anywhere, but apparently yeah, I, I all just, over
1: the place. I just saw a bunch of people talking about it. Like, did, you know, did Tessa Virtue tell someone and then it, it went out? Like, yeah, Morgan's coming home uh, on a team-friendly deal. I, You know what? I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't take a team-friendly deal. I want him back. This guy's earned his money. He's been here when the Leafs were bad. He's been here when they were good. He's stuck with his team. He's shown his loyalty. He's got a 70-point season. Go and get your money. Like, if anything, this season has told me that players are going to want their money. Darnell went and gone his, and after taking two team-friendly deals. Yep. Uh Kale McCarr, I mean, he's coming off an ELC. But, you know, you're a great defenseman. Go ahead. And who was the other one we mentioned? Uh, Rewenski. Zach Rewenski. you got after, Seth Jones. Yeah. Rewenski, after being in the shadow of Seth Jones, taking on the number one. Now he's taking on the number one pick. He got his money. Guys, go and get your money. Do your job. Good for yep. you.
0: That's what I mean. I, I look at it like this, and I say the same thing for Morgan Riley. You've been a good foot soldier for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, much like Zach Hyman, man. You know, go make your money. Um, I would love to see Morgan Riley finish his career as a Toronto Maple Leaf. But at the exact same time, the cap is not going up as fast as we want it to. $1 million a year ain't going to shed you the money that you need to sign a guy like Riley. Um, If he does, you know what, I'll tell you now, if he does take a team-friendly deal to stay here and he continues to be the Morgan Riley we've come to expect, well, let's do it. Well, we do have uh, the guest of the evening coming on right here. It is Terry Ryan or Terry Koshan, Terry Ryan. Oh, of the Montreal Canadiens formerly. Uh, no it's Terry Koshan joining us from the Toronto Sun here in just a moment. All right here we go as promised the man of myth the legend Terry Koshan of the Toronto Sun sitting down with us tonight to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs but we'll get to those guys in just a moment. Terry how's the summer treating you?
2: It's it's going well it's, it's quieted down now which is nice and I, I'm assuming August will be will be somewhat quiet for us in, in Leafland, and uh, and hopefully so, because we know that once the calendar turns past Labor Day, we're going to get busy and uh, full of interesting thoughts again. So summer's been fine, you know, it, we got through everything, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, COVID, uh, you know, behaves itself, and, and we get going closer back to normal in uh, end of September, beginning of October. For
0: sure. Well. I want to have you on tonight, obviously, to talk about the lease, but we're going to part that conversation for later in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, want to ask you right now, the, the big news that is waiting to, to go down, the shoe that's mm-hmm. waiting to fall is Jack Eichel. I want mm-hmm. to ask you, in your opinion, do you see the Buffalo Sabres making this trade in August, September, end of next year, during the season, like we saw with Matt Duchesne when he showed up to camp all unhappy? Because um, this story right here is taking a lot of the oxygen within the NHL newsreel Because everybody wants to know what's happening with Jack Eichel, whether it's the health, whether it's the player being unhappy, or whether it's the team going to move. And I'm wondering for you, when does it
2: happen? Well, it's about the the last big story to fall now, right? More or less, the last big, really probably the biggest domino of all summer that it still hasn't fallen yet. I'll be surprised if he's a Buffalo Sabre come to start a training camp. I know that, you know, Kevin Adams might have had some opportunities to get this deal done in the past. And, you know, we all know that there's ongoing uh, questions about the health and everything with Eichel, but... That would be my guess. I just don't see this coming to a happy resolution between these two sides, which is one, you know, a happy resolution where he would stay in Buffalo and continue his career with the Sabres. I think, you know, it's a fait accompli that he's gone. I I don't, for the Sabres' sake and for Eichel's sake, I hope it doesn't drag into the season. You want this done. And if you're Kevin Adams, that's, that's the, that's got to be the end goal here is, you know, whatever date it is that training camp starts even when players start gathering back in Buffalo to do the informal things, try to get it done by then. You don't want this hanging over you at all. You just don't. Yeah. I mean, if you're Buffalo Sabres, you know what, you can argue about the team and their their uh, their ability and their talents and everything and where you think they might finish this year. Uh, it does them no good to have this hanging over them uh, once the season starts. And like I say, I'll be uh, I'll be a little surprised uh, more than not if he's just still a Sabre uh, come the puck drop in the first day training camp. So
1: Terry, let me ask you this. If obviously Jack Eichel, he's a fan favorite in Buffalo and, you know, the they love him here. I like him here. I think he's a fantastic player. What would that do to the fan base if they were to trade him and not get back value that is fair? Because that's what, that's the well, direction I can see this ending in. They're not going to get a fair trade value for him at this point.
2: I have a lot of respect for the Sabres fan base. I've been going to games there for 20 plus years. It's a, it's a great fan base. And I think that, uh, you know, they will, um, uh, evaluate it and probably if you're likely going to be disappointed in there, in the, in the initial days or months or weeks, whatever you want to call it, because a player of Michael's uh, caliber, it is tough to get uh, the immediate uh, impact on the ice back, but Buffalo Sabres fans have been through a lot. And I think they will get past that as well. Yeah, I really do. I don't think, I don't think this is going to be a thing where the, 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 the collective back of the fan base is turned on the team right like that. I just think that, you know, it's, it's a group there that has endured a lot uh, you know, um, and is enduring a lot. I mean, there's, you know, you already see the trade of Sam Reinhart this summer, and and uh, and Ruth Selena, and this sort of thing. But uh, I don't know. I think that they will get through it, and it's probably, you know, not a happy thing, of course, because it's a franchise player. the the The, comp- the comparable would be in Toronto, is if the Rails had gone off the way um, things about the Rails, like like this with Austin Matthews. Okay. Yeah. The fan base will get through it eventually. I think they will in Buffalo as well.
1: Do you think they're secretly hoping for Shane Wright and
2: Connor Bedard, or is that way too much failure for them to handle? I don't know. I mean, listen, either player is a different pedigree, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're I I if I'm a Sabres fan, I'm more excited no, right now. I'm just excited with the idea of Owen Power coming. Yeah. Whatever that's going to be, right? And so if you get Owen Power and you get and either one of those two players, Wright or Bedard. <laughs> you can almost clear the decks and start building anew with those two guys and then yeah. see where it goes. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, you're going to get a couple of franchise-type players and, and uh, either way. And, and um, you know, uh, it, it could be the case in Buffalo if that's what's going to happen. We'll have to see. I mean, um, you know, they're going to get another look, new look now with the coaching staff and all this sort of thing. And, and uh, you know, I, I know there's question marks in goal. I mean, that's obvious. You know, you lose but, all yeah. work in Boston. But they have a lot of good young players there. And uh, is it going to happen for them this year or no? I think we're, we can pretty much guarantee they'll be last in division and possibly last overall. But, uh, you know, <laughs> put it this way, guys. I'm sure it's said ad nauseum. There are good, good things around the corner. In Buffalo, you kind of see it coming. And uh, if you don't get the immediate result of an Eichel trade on the ice, you're going to get a nice package, I would think, that will help set you up for the future. But yeah, and really- I think that's
0: what Buffalo fans are hoping for yeah. Right? Yeah. in the long run.
2: Yeah, so you know what? I, I, you know, I, I think it's going to turn around there, but it's a, it's a great hardcore group there are fans and they've been through everything, right? So I, I don't think that they'll abandon ship but the cycle thing. doesn't quite go the way they it will. I mean, at least they got the bills, so that's fine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <so laughs> are, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go.
0: Well, you know, we'll talk about this, obviously. We're talking about the Buffalo Sabres getting worse, so I want to ask you, this offseason, a lot of teams spent, like, you know, the money was burning holes in their pockets um, yeah. For you, Terry, I'm wondering what teams for you went out and did moves and, in your opinion, kind of got worse in the, the process. For me, I, I said it last week, I look at Vancouver. I, you yeah. know, OEL, Gray, Connor Garland, okay, cool. But, you know, it didn't look like they set themselves up, up for the future and it looks mm-hmm. like there's a future guy's problem there in Vancouver. But I'm wondering for you, what teams did you see went out and spent money or did things that kind of had you going, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense?
2: Well, I, I think for me, I, I would just, to break it down to some more what's going on in the Atlantic. And, well, if you want to look at it that way, you know what? Some of the moves that the Oilers have made, and I'm not talking about because I think Hyman's worth every dollar. Yeah, you want to talk about term. Guess what? A lot of these guys signing these long term deals are not going to be anything close to the player they are now by the time those contracts are done. No. Zach Hyman for the Edmonton Oilers is going to be a a player for the next three or four years. Um, I'm not sure about uh, Ethan Baer moving out and Warren Fogel coming in. Um, the re-signing of Tyson Berry there, you know, we'll have to see Duncan Keith. There there are quite a few question marks there, right? Um, Yeah, goaltending. Yeah, goaltending, of course. I mean, that's just one team that jumped out to me. Um, But you know what? That's the beauty of the offseason. You talk about the money that's being spent on July 1st. Of course, this year was July 28th. Happens every year. We see it every year. And you think that, okay, well, maybe in a pandemic it it would be different. Maybe that we know – a flat cap of 81 and a half, It's gonna be a little bit different this year. That that really didn't happen.
0: Yeah, you know, teams cleared the decks to, to they, make the
2: they did. And you know, teams still found money and, and all this sort of thing. Unless, you know, you saw it in Toronto, you kind of they were hamstrung, but um, you know, I, I guess Edmonton would be it's it's really interesting going forward and you know, we will keep tabs on them, they're no we're no more North Division odds sort of thing. But I think it's gonna be an interesting um uh, spot to watch for these fans because you know uh, Zach Hyman, rightfully so, won a lot of people over in this town, no, and yeah. a lot of a lot of people in Leafs Nation. And and uh, you know, it, I think it might be one of those things where a lot of people are cheering for Zach Hyman to do well, except on the two nights that the Oilers are the opposition for the Maple Leafs, right? Yeah. So you know, I, I don't know. I, I just as far as the Atlantic goes, though, like if I'm looking at more at the Atlantic, I think it's you know Tampa had to move some players out, but they're still to me they still have to be the favorite going in. When you won back to back cups and you keep your core. And, you, you, you know, you try to uh, compliment that a bit. Uh, they're going to have to be that club. I mean, I think the Leafs are going to be there, too. You know, the Boston Bruins.
0: The Bruins are a team that I'm wondering about. Because, I mean, if you look at what came in, came out for kind of reset, yeah. I mean, the additions are Armark, Felino, Hala and Nosik. But your subtractions, I don't know if they add to the same what you just brought in, in Krejci, Corrali, Miller, and Halak. I mean, Halak yeah. was a steadying force for you. You're also not going to have tukarask who's still unsigned going through hip surgery, not back until, what, January, maybe February. That's right, so, I yeah, mean, yeah. you have to weather the storm there with Allmark, which, you know, played in Buffalo, maybe not a proven 100% commodity of what he could do. Right. So, But I, I look at the players that went out and the players that came in. I love Felino in Toronto, but is he going to have a huge, huge impact with Boston? He's not the same speed, I don't think, as a guy like they lost in Nick Ritchie, which Toronto right. won. So, I don't know. I look at Boston and say, I think this might be the year. Where they finally start to take a step back behind the Leafs instead of being the Leafs chasing them. Well, it Boston's
1: Boston's biggest yeah, addition gonna. also is is age. Like they're another year older. I know we say this every year about the Bruins; they continue to prove us wrong. But those guys are getting up there now. They're not necessarily in their prime anymore. I know they have a couple of young guys, but you know their main core is it's getting up there. We saw Chara leave too, so it's going to be interesting to see how they play this year. And you know, I can't wait till they're in the conference final again.
2: <laughs> but, well, it's going to No, it's going to say it all. Come, it's it's going to come down to you, like you know. You guys touched on it too. The uh, what happens in goal with Linus Olmark, and, and yeah. what, what what kind of shape, physical shape is in if and when he does return to the crease in Boston. By then, is it too late? By then, are they you know are they still in the race? Is it is it something that they want to do at that point? We'll have to see. But you're right. Their 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 window, uh, I think, to win a Stanley Cup is probably closed. Yeah, that doesn't make them uh um, dangerous that doesn't make yeah that doesn't make a a much smaller problem during the regular season because yeah. they still have a good core there like i said i like the hall signing yes they are older but i know i think bergeron's going the last year was contract so we'll see what yeah. happens that way but you still have some really good hockey players there and guys that have you know I know that that core what's left of it hasn't won in, in uh, you know since twenty eleven but um you know the, the, been to the always, dance, though they always seem to find a way right yeah. For the most part. So
1: we'll see. What's the latest date they can sign to Rask? I couldn't
2: find this anywhere. The latest. I'm not, you know what? I'm not sure on that 100%. But uh,
0: wouldn't it be the, the, the trade deadline day?
2: Yeah. wouldn't. But, yeah. but I know that, put it this way, I know that there's, when they talk about him coming back in January, I mean, they it sounds to me like they're fully ready to wait and see what his health is like before they make a move on that, yeah. in that, the season, right? So. Yeah, I know it's different than RFAs, obviously, right? It's yeah. Much different. They've honestly done a lot earlier. But I don't think that that, that would be um, – uh, that's not something that's going to hang over them this season, put it that way. Yeah. But no, it's time Rask will come back and play, they're going to be one or the other, I yeah. would think, the Bruins, right? We'll know, yeah. we'll know a lot more about them by that point.
0: But, yeah, and I mean, if, if – you know, let Rask, I guess, rest for the rest of the year and then bring them back next year, right? Yeah, depending
2: what you, want to do too,
0: you know yeah you may, may not even want to play right depending on what the Bruins look like and what the, the state of the team is at um for you I want to know positively we talked about a couple teams in the Atlantic obviously for me I look at teams that did good through free agency and obviously the uh, expansion draft and draft a team for me that's turned it on and turned it the right way is the LA Kings um, I think they're a team that is on the up Obviously, now you go down the center with Anze Kopitar and Philip Deneau, but you have a bunch of young players on that squad looking to come up. Then the Arvidsson deal. Um, You know, this team now, for me, I I definitely think they're going to be a team that is uh, starting to step out of that rebuild status and come back into, not contention, but qualifying for the playoffs. And same thing with the Rangers. But I'm wondering for you, what teams opened your eyes? Is it the Philadelphia Flyers? Who is it?
2: Well, all those teams you mentioned all had to do something, right? Yeah. And starting with L.A., I mean, you, you, Philip Deneau, for for lack of a better way of putting it, had his coming-out party through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We saw it firsthand here in Toronto by the end yep. of May what happened. And then, you know, it kept going from there and just so responsible. And you know what, guys? My, my, my opinion on him changed from the end of May until the end of the playoffs because there was still a bit of me that had a hard time believing when the Leafs lost. Okay, remind me again of, of who shut Austin Matthews down again. We yeah. weren't talking about a Bergeron. We weren't talking about a Kopitar. At that point, we weren't even talking about an Alexander Barkov. No. But this guy really, I think, came into his own and really earned the contract that he got. And you talk about that one-two punch up the middle now, with Kopitar and 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 Philip Deneau. I mean, it's it's huge for the Kings to get to get a guy like Deneau. I think it's a good contract. It's also a massive move in the Atlantic Division of subtraction, right, for everybody else, especially the Maple Leafs. Not going to deal with this guy. Um, I, I like the Kings. I like some of those guys they have coming. Like you say, uh, you know, I think the Rangers are going to be interesting. Um, you know, they locked up Fiszerkin. They they locked up Fiszerkin. The Bar- they, uh, they, they the Barclay good good role contract. You could you know question that if you want, um, but he gives them some uh, some meat uh, in that Ryan division. Right, Reeves, I mean. You know, the right, the, the, the Capitals Rangers uh, rivalry just went up another walk, another notch. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, Wilson Reeves, especially, right? I mean, that's quite obvious, but uh, no, I, I think those are two, two teams that have done uh, interesting things. Um, you know, you mentioned the Flyers too, that, that was a group that that had that had to kind of hit the reset button for more, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, again, a pretty good deal with Carter Hart, the deal that he signed. Yep. You know, like you think there's going to be a rebound there in his part, still a young kid and all this sort of thing. And I think his best days in the NHL are ahead of him. Um Ryan Ellis, to me, is is a good pickup. Cam Atkinson, yeah, character goes check. exactly. So you know what? It's uh you know we'll see how that 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 settles down in their division. But now you're also getting into the wild card talk on the East, right? And how yeah. suddenly sudden these teams might have that impact. And and you guys, I don't need to remind you, but at one of his one of his Zoom calls with us, Kyle had said, I can't remember if it was at the end of the season or in free agency, whenever it was. But he said, you know, the idea is to be a top three and not get into that wild card issue, right? Mm-hmm. Because that, that that way you're leaving too much chance. So, yeah, right? Do, do I think at least will be a wild card team? No, I don't. I think they'll be in the top three in their division. But um, some other teams in that group in that grouping are going to be better than next year in the East. And uh, you know, the ones that we mentioned, Flyers and Rangers, are a couple.
0: And uh, another one there is the Florida Panthers is another team that is definitely on the rise too, right? So, and uh, I wouldn't count out the pesky Sens. I know they may not qualify for a playoff spot, but they definitely are going to be a problem every time they play you. So they proved it this year.
2: I I think the Leafs are what? Leafs played them nine times last year. They won five of those games. I think seven of them were were, um, decided by a goal with a couple in overtime. So, you know what? The Ottawa Senators guys could win 15 games next year. They're not. They're going to win more than that. Yep. They can win 15, but you'd have one guarantee that every single night they play Toronto, they're going to give them trouble. Oh yeah, just the way yeah. they play. And I don't know what it is there, but it, there's something about it, and uh, the Leafs recognize it. Perhaps this is the year that you know the Leafs just slough it off and say, "Okay, fine, we'll handle these guys." But you know they've, they've been a, a an issue for the Leafs in the past, and and uh, you know you'd hate to see it get to a point where that has a bearing on the final standings. But like I said, the Leafs found a way last year with a lot of one goal wins against them, and. I would suspect that uh, more will be the same in the coming season.
0: Well, we're dropping the leaves here a lot, so let's start the conversation here with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I want to ask you about free agency for the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they've brought in. Obviously, Petr Mrazek. you got Kampf, uh Richie, Andre Kasha. Uh, you bring in a lot of these guys, Curtis Gabriel as well, um, to fill in around your line of Michael Bunting. Um, for you, everybody's already anointing, and this is the, the annoying thing, as we talked about before we got on tonight, about summer, you know, social media around your hockey team. Everybody's saying that Nick Ritchie is now, you know, the new savior. And I remember this talk around a player named David Clarkson when we signed him. Sorry,
1: who said that he's the savior? I haven't seen that one. (laughs) He's going to be,
0: go look around. He's going to be on the top line. He's going to get 20 to 25 goals. And, you know, he's going to instantly fill in where Zach Hyman left off. And listen, he did have 15 goals last year, guys, with the Boston Bruins. Not a small task. But, I mean, right. you are going to be playing probably with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, maybe. Maybe, if you're not, you know, or even John Tavares and Willie Nylander, depending on where you're going to go. Um, he did get second power play minutes in Boston last year, so he probably get power play minutes here with Toronto. Maybe a net front presence. But I'm wondering for you, you, you look at we'll start with Richie here. What is mm-hmm. the expectation for him to bring to the Toronto Maple Leafs? He's going to bring the grit. He can drop the gloves. Yeah. He's got a snarl to his game. Obviously, can score. Um you know, is he going to be that top six guy that everybody's hoping he's going to be? Or is he going to be more of a bottom six fill out for the Toronto Maple Leafs?
2: Well, I would think he's going to get a really long, hard look in the top six. I don't think you can say he's replacing Nick Hyman, though. Or Sorry, Zach Hyman. Because if that was the case, then Nick Ritchie would have been long gone by the least. I know it was only three days later, whatever it was. By the time they signed him, there would have been the same kind of interest in Nick Ritchie had there been in Zach Hyman. And uh, that just didn't happen. Uh, didn't have the same kind of cachet in the open market. Uh, Richie's going to get every opportunity, I think. But I think, guys, too, you know, we th- that the left side and the top six we could talk for the rest of the week about because yep. we really we really don't know. Richie's going to get an opportunity um, of I the do. new guys. Michael Bunting is getting an opportunity. Do I think Alex Kerfoot is going to be run through there? Yes. Is Elliot McKeon going to be run through there? Yes. Kasha. Gotcha. Yes. Kasha, so so many moving parts. I guess, I guess the, one, the one, one positive I've taken of all this is that, you know, I think you can argue for a lot of these people right now, for and against, but the fact of the matter is they do have a lot of options. And going into it, it didn't appear that Kyle Dubas really had a lot of options, given the fact that he didn't have a ton of money to use. And he knew probably going into July 28th that the biggest contract he was going to sign a player to was going to be somebody in goal. And that's what happens Knowing full well that he's got another guy in goal and Jack Campbell, who's going to be commanding something pretty close to that next season, next season, next summer. I would think if he has any type of year that he had this past year, but Richie, I, I like some of the things he brings. Uh, yeah. Is he one of the, is the difference in him and Hyman, maybe that you have to light a fire under Richie every so often. I would say so. Uh, no one has ever had to do that for Zach Hyman. And at any point in his Maple Leaf career, we know that. Yeah. Um, so, listen, maybe it's unfair to, to, to compare a Ritchie to a Hyman, but that's what's going to happen naturally if we're putting him into the spot, right? But, again, he's not the only guy. You're not going to look at it on August 9th or 10th now and say, Nick Ritchie is your left-wing guy in the top line with Matthews. There are no other options. That's where he's going to be, uh, pass or fail. I, I think we look back to last year, guys, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't Joe Thornton and Jimmy Vesey start in the top two lines to start the season? They did but that. Yeah, that's
0: so, 100% just it. And then you, but you look lot,
2: at. My point is, all I'm saying with that is a lot can change. I'm not comparing. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, I'm
0: just saying, I was going to say, you look at those two names you just mentioned, though, yeah. and the players that we brought in this offseason, I think would be better than those two players that played last last. Yeah. yeah. So I do I think mean,
2: it's a marked improvement. I, I think it's an improvement. To me, though, if you're looking at the Maple Leafs last season, the best uh, non-goalie involved in all this is Zach Hyman, And what happened, he left you bringing in the Leafs are bringing in. You don't want to say question marks, but guys who um there's something to prove there. Bunting's Michael Bunting's played 26 games. You guys know this. I mean, yep. yes, did he have a great, a good season last year with 10 goals and 21 games? The Coyotes, great. Can he sustain that shooting percentage? Probably not. But is there going to be a better opportunity for him over an 82 game schedule? Yes, yep. there is. I think. I mean, just just that opportunity to show himself, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, you know, I, I think there's some some optimism there. A guy like Curtis Gabriel, you're looking at a bottom six. Um, you know, that's what we
0: um, expected of Curtis Gabriel, though. I mean, yeah,
2: David Komp, yeah. too, I would imagine. Does he slide into that third line center spot now? We'll have to see. Maybe, you know, if if not, then the fourth line center for sure. But uh, um, a lot of moving parts. And guys, too, I mean, the, the other thing we want to, I should mention, I know we'll probably get to this, is people like Nick Robertson and Joey Anderson are looking at this going, Hey, don't forget about us. Adam yeah. Brooks is still part of this picture as well, right? If I'm Nick Robertson at home right now, just north of Los Angeles, I'm not discouraged by what the Leafs have done this offseason, looking at it and saying, well, okay, where am I now on the depth chart? I'm looking at it and saying, okay, go in here, bust my you-know-what, like I've been known to do, and let the chips fall where they may. He's had the, the, he's had the year now, the, the professional hockey year. Did it go the way he wanted? Of course not. The injuries, the things didn't go well for him with the Marley's overall. But I think he's going to come back completely refreshed and, and, uh, and really give a good, uh, hard go at a spot here. Before you, we dive into
0: to more of the guys the Leafs did sign, something that I think was Elliot Friedman did say on 31 Thoughts, and correct me if I'm wrong if I heard it from somewhere else, but um, they did say that the Leafs were more leaning towards having Robertson play another year with the Marlies. Right. And kind of have him come up towards the end as a black ace, yeah. kind of like Travis Dermott, and maybe getting him some games, you know, leading towards the playoffs if the Leafs do qualify, which we all hope they will. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are there. Obviously, if he comes to the camp, works his tail off, enters a spot, you got to give him a spot. I think you got to give him his look. Yeah. But I mean, I, I
2: do you think he's guaranteed? He's not guaranteed either way. I don't, yeah. I don't know how that. I'm sure the Maple Leafs are talking about it in house. Their their uh, their whiteboard right now has probably got a thousand permutations on it. Yeah. yeah. Whether, whether they're that both the uh the ACC and the Ford Performance Center guys are probably at both ranks. If Nick Robertson comes in and does what he's capable of in camp, I don't know you look at him and say, go score 25 with the Marlies. Go score 30 with the Marlies. If he's yeah. earned the spot, he's earned the spot. You make it work. You know, he's not going to be expensive. We know that, right?
0: No, definitely not. And that's so what the least.
2: Whole... You're right, exactly. So, yeah, listen, I know that they've signed a lot of veteran players and everything, and, you know, it's it's nice to have those thoughts now and you go apprentice with the Marlies again, and they have signed some good veterans there that he would work under. But I, I would just think that uh, this is a guy who thought he was going to be a Maple Leaf coming out of the bubble and in into yeah. camp last year, right? And uh, you're not—I don't think you're going to look at him now no and what they've been coming for the front office and say, you know, you're going to be playing against the Manitoba Moose in mid-October and we'll see how it goes from there. That won't be acceptable today.
1: We're no. talking about all these new guys coming in and guys coming up, but there's there's a player I'm looking at who I think is going to have probably his best NHL season next year. Uh, he was amazing in the playoffs. He had a great regular season. That's William Nylander. How, yeah. how much value does the organization see that he brings to this team, especially at that cap it, which people hated at first, but now you're looking at it now like, wow, this is a steal. Do you think he's going to take it up another level next year? Does he have it in him?
2: Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think fully totally capable. Of yeah, he does. I, I really do. I mean, you know, especially with the faith the organization has shown in him. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if he comes out in a few times now and said, "Well, when I signed, I was told I would not be traded." Okay, then uh, some part you're gonna look in the mirror and go, "Okay, well, if that is being told to me, and well, no promises can be broken. If you don't have that certain clause in your contract, well, then nothing is ironclad." But he would want to return that. And I think it's totally in him. I think, like you say, the Josh, the season that he had last year, and the way that he came to the fore in the playoffs when other people yeah. didn't. I don't see him coming off it. I really don't. Like,
1: you you touched on his playoff performance. How much does the front office, like, I wouldn't know. I'm not in the meetings. You might know a little more than me. How much does the front office take stock in that? Like, they're looking at, let's say, Matthews and Marner saying, okay, these guys didn't perform their best. But then they look at a guy like Nylander and say, wow, look what he did. You know, five goals, uh, three assists or whatever it was. This guy can really bring it. And then you look at the regular season performances. You know, Marner had a fantastic season. Matthews had 43 Mm -hmm. goals. Are they going to kind of pump the brakes on regular season performance this year and be like, let's get to April fifteenth, whatever it is,
2: and then I, we I still start want to, 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 to see what we have. Well, yeah, I think that that will be what they're thinking, but I don't think there's going to be any pumping of the brakes uh, put forward to these guys and how they do in the regular season. And just a guy like Nylander, like you say, what's the thinking there? Well, I would imagine that at Willie's um, exit meeting with Sheldon Keith and the coaching staff, it must have gone quite well. Yeah, in the early days of June, how could it not have? He did. He did step to the fore when when Matthews and Marner didn't. He did it when his uh, regular center was not playing. Tavares was, of course, at home recovering from his injuries that he suffered in Game One, and he still went up there and made things happen. And you know, obviously, uh, you know that that that, that talk about the playoffs, that put a guy like Kerfoot further into those good books as well. It's he did some good things as well. That's so, as well, his versatility, right? So. You know what? Um, I, I think getting back to what you're talking about, Josh, this you know when you look at what happens in the regular season, I think we're all gonna take it with a bit more of a grain of salt now, once yeah. the playoffs are there, right? Yeah. Because no nobody saw that coming. I mean, listen, after game four against Montreal, we were writing, okay, well, this is this is a different leaf team now. This is a different yeah. leaf team than we've seen in the past. Oh, I, was, season, I was ready for conference weekend. finals, but yeah. Nope. You know what? I, 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 listen, we can all say what if and everything, but yep, I've, I've said before, I think that they get past that first round. Everything is off the shoulders. I think they walk through Winnipeg and they go on. Everything oh goes, yeah. Off we'll never know, but that pressure comes right off. Maybe we'll see it next spring. If they just get through the first round finally with this group. And uh, that comes often. But I think once that happens, uh, there will be a club to be reckoned with for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to ask you, you know, obviously the league is a is a copycat league. And we watched what Philip Deneau, we just talked about him a few moments ago and what he did to the Leafs. A player like David Camp comes into the Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously, for his defensive astute right. on the penalty kill face-offs. Like yeah. You know, I'm wondering if Kyle Dubas saw what Philip Deneau did. And not not that this player is going to be Philip Deneau or any of those, ilk, but... To a lesser degree, he can definitely win you faceoffs, be on your PK, and go up against other teams' top forwards and ho- hopefully shut them down to a certain degree. Um, yeah. Was that Kyle his answer to Philip DeNo for the Leafs?
2: Well, I don't know if if it was specifically the answer to Philip DeNo, but there had to have been some sort of thinking that way that you needed that type of player in that spot. Yeah, and this is as much as they I think they like Alex Kerfoot's versatility. I don't know how much they like it at. His contract number because it is a bit for him. Yep. Um, but, you know, and, and that's what the thinking too. There's some, there's some, might be still a school of thought that if the lease are going to get to a man, more manageable number and everything, is Curvefoot still the quote unquote guy that would go before camp or whatever it is to get the manageable. The other thing too is we've got to remember is, you know, Duba said to us at one point, he wants to have a bit of space through the regular season he doesn't want to be bumped up at, you know, 81.499. He wants to have some space there under the cap. So yeah. how do you do that? Right. Um, but uh, Kemp, yeah, I got it, David camp. Yeah. I just, you know, if he can bring any sort of those, uh, those qualities and, you know, I'm, you're right. We're not comparing him to Philip Deneau. I mean, that would be foolish of course. Yep. Uh, but uh, some of those types of qualities, the smarts without the puck, the face off work PK, if he can do it, he's not going to score for you. We know that. Yeah. Right. We can accept that. Uh, but if you do some those other things without it, then yeah, that'll be, that'll be, I think a good signing for them. And that's what they're counting on.
0: No, definitely. Well, the other guy um, we haven't touched on yet is obviously Petr right. Um coming into tandem with uh, Jack Campbell, a goaltender that knows how to tandem. Uh, we saw, you know, when a goalie knows his role, it goes a lot smoother. Like when we had Curtis McElhaney, he understood yeah. that he was the backup to Freddie Anderson things ran smoothly. Um, I'm wondering for you, you look at this tandem here, Obviously, every goalie wants to have the longer leash and be in the crease. Um, but it's Jack Campbell's crease overall, I think, to start out. Is that yep. fair to say? Obviously, it'll be tandem, fair a little it. bit more spread out. But I definitely think Jack Campbell will get the longer leash.
2: Well, if, you, if, if the season ends and, and Campbell, you know, at 50 starts and Mrazic at 32, say, yep. give or take. That, would, that would, is about what I would expect going in. As yep. long as, you know, injuries don't play a part and all this sort of thing. Jack Campbell plays anywhere close to what he did last year, whether it was on the run or not, I know he, he came, came off it a bit after that 11-game start. It's his crease to lose. I, well, it's going to be his crease to lose going in anyway.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, Mrazic coming in, we're talking about Mrazic as a tandem. If you had the full confidence in him coming in and, and taking over as the number one, well, I think he would have done that to a greater degree earlier in his career and not be a tandem-type goalie at 29 or whatever he is. But that's what he is. So, I, I'm with you. I, it's, I think it's Jack's net to lose. I don't think there's um, uh, they, they love the guy. Uh, the confidence in him is is big. I know that you, we kind of at our side we look at it go. You know, gamble. There are nights where he probably be a little, a lot less hard on himself after losses and yep. and not rubbing on his shoulders and all this sort of thing. And and uh, you know maybe he gets better in the handling the situations during the, the summer. But um, you know. 1A and 1B, maybe, but Campbell's got it, that, that guy going into it for me. And, you know, I, I just don't see him losing that spot to training camp. Really
0: Are you comfortable? You know, obviously we see a lot of tandems here in the NHL. Right. These two Golden tenders, obviously what Campbell was able to do last year, what Mrazek has been able to do in Carolina and before in Detroit. Do you see this tandem? Are you comfortable with it, um, with what they're trying to go for here?
2: Well, I think so. I, I guess the bigger question would be, what does happen when the playoffs start? And if you if you think that you can play for two months every other night, do you have two people that are capable of of handling that? And you know, in all likelihood, one spelling off the other at some point. That's where the biggest question will come. I think through the regular season, I don't have an issue with it. But yes. you know, again, you're talking about a couple of guys who, you know, will still need to prove themselves in the once the postseason starts, because by and large it hasn't happened in their careers, assume. Right. Yeah. So we'll have to see. But I think, you know, the thing with the, all the goalies we saw, guys, all the guys, all the goalies that were out there and, you know, maybe you take Darcy Kemper out of it because it was a trade situation for him. But um, a lot of teams, you just, you can't say for sure right now what you're getting the 10 or 12 goalies out there could come in and say, bang, I'm going to give you this. Um, by the end of the season, you could say, okay, well, we expected that, but you really can't. You, you just don't know at this point. There's a lot of goalies in that same class who have changed teams I'm curious to see how it all works out. I'm curious how Freddie Anderson does down in Carolina. Sure. I was one of these people who, you know, as much as Anderson was good for the Leafs regular season-wise, it was time to cut that cord. Um, I don't think, there, you know, obviously the money he got in Carolina was more than what Morazza got here, so there was a difference there. But I just think it was time for the least to, to, to cut that cord with him. He had five years of opportunities to get it done in the playoffs. It didn't happen, but uh, yeah. Right now, in the middle of August, I think the tandem's fine. I think it's going to be fine. But again, we will really know once mid-April starts. And we can't know until then.
0: right? No, definitely. Well, one big question, obviously, surrounding the Toronto Maple Leafs now, and me and Josh touched on this a little bit earlier just before you jumped on, is Morgan Riley. Uh, He's in his last year of his deal. We watched all of these young defensemen and defensemen well into their careers get paid this offseason handsomely. Um, it was yeah. floated around by, you know, I don't know who I just kept seeing it everywhere. Josh did as well. Yeah, that scared. Morgan Riley is willing to take a hometown discount to stay with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I'm wondering now that you've seen, you know, this off season, everybody gets paid. Everybody's getting their money, big contracts, big term. Does that still hold and hold water for Morgan Riley? I don't think it does. I
2: think Morgan well, Riley gonna to want to go get paid. Did, did, didn't the hometown discount rumors start before all these contracts were signed? That's it. So, yep. so it's a hometown discount now, not 5 million, but 7 million. I don't know. You know what I mean? Has, it, yeah. has, that, has, that, has that goalpost moved down in the last couple of weeks? Is it very, Mel White? It very well might have. Um, but I'm with you. Uh, when you have one opportunity to get this done in your career on the open market and get that contract. Yep. We just saw Zach do it and go to Edmonton. Players yep. do it all the time. They'll come out and say, this is my one chance. We'll have to see. It's, it's it's a tough one because, you know, the longest current serving Leaf, right? Yeah. Um, drafted you know, nine years ago now, which is so hard to believe. It's been Crazy. nine years. Mm-hmm. Morgan Riley draft, 2012 in Pittsburgh. Um, so he's a guy that's grown with the organization, uh, has been through it all. Um, they really res- – the, the, I probably can't, uh, you know, say enough that the amount of respect that the front office has for him. As, as a player and as a person I think he's kind of the model guy that, that Kyle Dubas likes in a player and as a person for the Toronto Maple Leafs whether that's enough to keep him in a Leafs uniform it's tough to say and again you know if, if there is an idea of a hometown discount either the same sorts of things it's one of those things that's difficult to kind of get confirmed a year out but uh does does that hometown discount change now when We've seen some of these other contracts being signed, and what the nurses of the world are getting, and other people. And yeah. uh, does that change for Morgan Riley? So it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Another factor in that is what kind of season does Rasmus Sandin have? What what yep. if Sandin comes and blows the doors off that we're not anticipating and says, okay, well, there's your heir apparent, if you will, in that role. We have oh, all these already, guys, yeah. son, right? We have Brody, we have Muzzin. Um, who's the third? I'm forgetting?
0: huh? all.
2: Oh, another good contract, two million dollars next year. You have you have guys who are, are are good contracts, and you know if Sandy Inc. could step into that role now and say, "Look what I'm capable of," do you expect it? Not really, because he's still a young guy. But will he get to that point at some point in his career? I think so. Um, but yeah, you, you just hope that it, it does the same sort of thing. If you're you know Leaf Nation doesn't happen with Riley that it did with Hyman that essentially goes for nothing. And I know that, you know, uh, Kyle Dubas and Ken Kendall tried to get something then compensation wise, it just never really got off the ground. But uh, my guess would be that they, they try all they can to keep him in as a of Leaf. Morgan Riley. I so, see,
1: I see absolutely no value in trading Morgan Riley mid season this year. If this is your, essentially what we've heard from the press conferences and kind of the vibe around the team, this is kind of there, their, there's, do, there's, it's yeah, their do or die year.
2: Yeah. And, and I've also oh, do you trade him for camp. No. No. Oh, God,
1: no. Like, who are you – what trade are you making that makes the team better by giving away Morgan Riley? Mm-hmm. You're not. You're Who's you're giving not. up another top four defe- – top two defenseman? Nobody is. You're not. You're not. You're well, I've said sense. to you
0: many times, Terry, when you make a trade, you know, and you take a player off your roster, who yep. are you adding to your roster that's going to add you that value back? Right. Nine times out of ten, you're not getting that value back.
2: Right. And you wouldn't in this case.
0: No. I just – now, if the Leafs were in a position where they're rebuilding or they were thinking about blowing it up or something, that's when you go and get some assets back from Morgan Riley. But I don't think they are at that point. But I do think if we have this conversation again next off season where they're out in the first round, I, I think we're already talking about things that have already happened.
2: Well, if, if we're talking about, if they're out in the first round next year, we're talking about other things than Morgan Riley. Yeah. That's for sure. Who's the next GM? Possibly who's the next president. We're looking at you, Kyle. Yeah, there you go. So, you know what? I, I just – yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you guys. Start the season with Morgan. It's the same thing with Zach Hyman. Could anyone at any at any point during the season last year, could you have ever seen any f- scenario where, like, okay, the Leafs have to trade Zach by the deadline and get something for him? No. No. I, I, no
0: who are you replacing him with? You, you're just not. Right. You, you ride with them right. till the end, and that's what they're going to do here. This this season, like Josh just said, for the Maple Leafs is pretty much as make a break as you get it.
2: Yeah, you know, it's right up there. It is, it really is. And it's it's I, crazy I, to you say know, that about this
0: young core, but that's what it is.
2: Well, you know what? It. It's it's yeah. I mean, it, it, there's you know, you, you can only hear so much about the first round losses and the pain and how you grow from pain and what doesn't kill you and makes you stronger. I mean, we'll see if that plays true, but. You can't tell me that in places like Vegas and Colorado, the pain hasn't been worse in the past few years. No, no.
0: It's been 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 bad. I have to say this, you know, and I wonder if you guys agree with me. If we didn't make the playoffs that first year with Austin Matthews against Washington, when we didn't make that magical run to get in. Do you think the expectations at this point would be different? Because you wouldn't have probably gone out and gotten Marlowe. I think the expectations would be lower to be honest yeah, with you. Well, I don't think you'd be talking about five years of failure and ineptitude. I, I think you'd be saying, hey, listen, you know, they almost got in the playoffs to one year and then they took the steps to keep going. You know, and I think it's it acceptable a bit more.
2: I, I know I'm, I'm part of this because we all are in the media, but lumping in that Washington loss and the string of failures is wrong. Oh, I wrong. agree with that. Yeah. Because it's not, it, 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 it was, it was, it was a, more or less a, a, uh, a, a huge uh, accomplishment for the Leafs to make the playoffs that year and then to give Washington a scare. Yep. Right. I mean, a couple of those overtime goal games go another way. What if, what if five, five of those six games go to OT? Yep. Yep. Isn't it?
0: Yeah. I think it was and pretty, they pretty weren't, cool. weren't,
2: like, you know, th- so then they surpassed more expectations to win. So they win that series. But yeah, I, I just think that, yeah, you know, we all get into the whole caught up in the first round losses and that and, you know, it really is tough to include that loss to Washington because um, that's really a part of your growth. That's, that's part of your growth. To that yeah, well, that's what you're supposed
0: to do. But it, exactly. I'm just saying for, for me, it just so many people say, well, because you know, they, they faced Washington they gave them a scare. They should have yeah. took that next step already. They should have took the next step Perfect. already. And I think that just got people's expectations up too fast, too quick. And then signing Marlow that off season just ramped it up even more. Okay. Sure. Now we're bringing in those good veterans. Now we're going to start taking those big steps and we didn't yep. do it. And I don't know. I, I just well, look at certain young teams and they didn't do those things until they started getting a little bit further along.
2: Right. Well, the, the two great examples are always are Just individually, Iserman and Ovechkin, right? Yep. How long did it take them to win? But at the same time, we're all looking at this going, okay, well, you know, each of them were, were lifers in those organizations. You're looking at that. We're looking two, three down years down the road now and say, okay, well, um, Marner's going to be up. They're all going to be up. Yeah. Right? at some point here. Do you, do you re-sign them all and, 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 and go that way? Probably not, but... Uh,
1: That's going to be fun.
2: I I, I I just think they should have taken that next step, you're right, from where they are, um, where they were after that Washington series to now. Yeah. This first-round stuff is, is is old now, and it shouldn't, have, it shouldn't be like this anymore.
0: Well, I'm just hoping the next step does come, and I mean, we look at all the additions and everything, and we talked about this last offseason. You don't know who fits in where until it's done, and you also don't know who else they might be able to sneak in and bring in. Like Josh Hosang is another guy who's coming on a PTO who I think will play with the Toronto Marlies and bring his game along and they'll evaluate yeah. him like they did Alex Galchenyuk and see where he fits in. But I do think he has a good chance for a redemption story. The Leafs know how to do this thing and rebuild yeah. guys. And that goes all the way back to Paul Ranger when he came back. Yeah. You know, well, so
2: it's, even, even in this regime, you have to have confidence in the fact that nobody was willing to give Alex Galchenyuk a sniff last year. Yep. The Leafs yeah. turn him into a hockey player. And I I thought, like everyone else, I thought it was as close to a slam dunk as possible he was coming back because he loved everything about it from what I was led to believe.
0: I mean, I bet you he's kicking himself right to second that he didn't sign a deal. I mean, not to say that I know what's going on in his head or what's going on for offers or anything like that, but you look at it and it doesn't seem like anything's percolating right now. I mean, there's rumblings about the Montreal Canadiens, but we all know how that marriage went the first time.
2: Yeah, And, and you know what? The Leafs just don't have any money to sign him now. So there's not, there's nothing, there's nothing left. I mean, even, you know, even if, you know, he was willing to say to the Leafs, okay, I'll take whatever your offer was the last time we talked, the Leafs probably don't have that money anymore anyway now. And it is too bad because, you know, where there's some things about his game you could look at and say, well, this could be better. Well, of course there were. It was with every player, but I gained a lot of respect for Galchenia coming in here and doing what he did and putting his nose to the grindstone, of the Marlies and coming up and, and, and playing admirably for the Leafs and, it is unfortunate it didn't work out here in Toronto.
0: One, one last player I want to ask about, and Josh, you can fire off after this, um, is Timothy Lilligren. This year, for for the team, obviously, to make or break, I think this year for Timmy Lilligren, this is his make or break year with the Leafs. Right. I don't think if he gets into this lineup, if he doesn't, I, I either think he asks for a trade or he's not going to be with this organization. Um, I think he needs to take those next steps. And I'm wondering for you, you've probably watched him and, and know his game and things like that. Is this a make-or-break year for Lilligran, or are the Leafs just going to keep prodding this guy along as they go? Well, it's awfully
2: close to it. And I, I don't ima- imagine that – well, he, I he has kind of voiced his, a bit of his frustration in the past already, right? But yeah. you look at the top six right now, I say, where does he fit in here? Yeah. Right? You know, well, you no, top he, four. I don't know Sandin, if I don't think – no, he doesn't, Josh. That's what I mean. He doesn't. To me, he doesn't. I mean, you think Travis Dermott's going to come in and be – I don't think Dermot's a seventh defense, I think he's better than that. I think it's yeah. a good thing that he did not get lost to Seattle in the, uh, in the expansion draft. I think his best days in the NHL are ahead of him. He's only going to be 25, I think, in December. He's still got a lot of good days ahead of him, I think. And Lilligren, it's a tough spot because you you could argue to him that, yes, you could still learn and, and come in and be our seventh guy and maybe get in every so often. But I'm willing to bet that Timothy Lilligren would say to you that he's more than that at this point in his career. I just don't know how that opportunity plays out with the Maple Leafs. If that top six plate stays healthy. Again, someone may blow out a knee in training camp or break an ankle. We don't know. Pull yeah. it right. But if that, if that group comes out healthy for October 7th or 8th, whenever that first game is, I don't think he's in the lineup. I don't see how it happens.
0: No. I remember a young Swedish defenseman named Anton Strahlman who the Maple Leafs had, and uh, it just didn't seem to be working for him either. Really did turn out other places, though, didn't it? Well,
2: this is – but this – you know what? You hit the nail on the head. This is always the, the problem, especially the defensive that you have. Yeah. They, for the most part, they're not all uh, Quinn Hughes. They take – you know, they're not all Adam Foxes. They take a, long, a little bit more to come along. Yeah. You don't see their best games yet. Justin Hall. Justin Hall. You'd hate to see Timothy Lillard go somewhere else and do that, but perhaps that's what happens.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I mean – Hopefully the Leafs can recoup some sort of asset for him, some sort of prospect right. or something. If that's the way it goes, but obviously, yeah, uh,
2: niff,
0: like we so he not, he's not stepping in. What's that? I don't think he's stepping into this top six by any stretch of the means. I mean, Sandine Dermot, Paul Muzzin, Riley Brody, and that's nope. it.
2: I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I just, uh... and again, is he satisfied being? Well, then, what are the options for him? Being a seventh guy who skates, you know, practice with the team doesn't play. Or going and playing another, you know, 25 minutes with the Marlies. Do you want to do that again? What does yeah. that do for his development at this point? You know, not only is it a make or break for Lilligren, if you will, but is it a make or break for the Leafs in the sense of his development and where it's at, right?
0: And that We're may come the- to a head in camp. They may be able to move into a team that needs a defenseman.
2: Yeah, it very no. well might. I mean, they signed a couple of veterans big and indulged in those two way deals and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, I think that there's going to be, I think what they've done is they've restocked their depth now in the organization, defense wise with the Marlies. Uh, They've done it nicely, Um, but Lilligran will not want to sit here and argue that he's a depth guy in the organization.
0: No, I don't think so. Well, this is the fun thing about August like we talked about. You know, obviously, we're just kicking tires and trying to figure things out ourselves and just, you know, spitballing about who's coming in and who can make an impact. And we haven't even, we didn't even talk about Andre Kasha and his concussion history and will he get into this lineup and will he play? But Josh, I'm wondering for you, anything else on your brain that you want to ask Terry here?
1: Yeah, you mentioned August hockey news and there's a phenomenon I'm seeing on Twitter right now. And it's kind of weird. I, I, I see an Instagram photo posted, but I don't know who posted it. It, it was a photo at a golf course. It's beyond fun Jake Muzzin, Morgan Riley. And um, uh, who was it? I think it was drew Doughty. They're all golfing. I look at the comments. Oh, have fun guys. You're great. Amazing. Love it. Phenomenal. Yeah. You know, two Leafs players, one former Leafs player and then Canadian defenseman playing for the LA Kings. Yeah you know, and then I see Marner post a photo golfing with, I think he was with Travis Dermott or Justin Hall. I look at the mm-hmm. comments, go train you bum, go do this, go do that. Why are you celebrating? Am I crazy for thinking people should just leave these guys alone and let them enjoy the off season. And also does the front office, does it kind of bug them when players post stuff like that? Or am I just overthinking this?
2: Well, to your first part of it, uh, I, I don't know. They are all working out. They yeah. all are. Now. They're all, I'd imagine most of them are back on the ice. Guess yes. what? Oh yeah. Not, I, I know but, they are. I'm not talking, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking what you're getting at though. They're not going to be doing it 24 seven. No human being or hockey player does. So if they're going to be on the golf course, fine. Could they, maybe some of these guys who are getting the flack for it, read the tea leaves a little better and say, okay, well, I know that, you know, this could be seen as, as something else here, and maybe I don't post some of this stuff, or or someone else doesn't, perhaps. But uh, they are allowed to lead their lives. I mean, there's no doubt about that, and it, it's it's a, it's a tough thing. Um, you know, and for a guy like Mitch Marner, I mean, it's it's there is obviously frustration in, in in Leaf Nation as there should be that he just hasn't been that player for them in the playoffs, hasn't earned that contract in the playoffs. Yeah, and it is it is a little more befuddling when. You do see the things that he's done in the regular season. He's gonna be a hundred point guy. Yep. Games, I don't think hundred points would be out of the question or, or a huge question frame. I mean, the guy, what, 94 95 in that range the last few seasons anyway, right? Pro rated yep. over two. So I, I understand the frustration there, but uh, you know, um, I suppose that all of that what you're getting at, Josh, is all part of the life of public athlete too and you you take each day as it comes that way. But yeah. uh, is, does it make it okay? Not necessarily. No, I just think people need to
1: be happier and realize like these guys, it's their off season. They're allowed to go for a round of golf or whatever. Like ooh, sure. At the end of the day, let them enjoy their lives, right?
2: Well, so. This is just it. And, and you know, also to get outside. It's August. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's be enough to talk about post-Labor Day. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be able to get to all these things. None of this, none of that stuff matters right now. They're all working out. They're all getting back in shape. Nobody is slacking off. Um, one thing I can, I do know for a fact, is that this group that lost May 31st uh, took it harder than any group that has taken it in in, in in any of those losses we've talked about against the Bruins or whatever. There is just something different about the way that this team reacted after they lost initially. And uh, I know that that opened eyes in the front office. You talk about what the front office wants to see what they don't want to see. That was something new to them, the way that these guys responded after the loss in the immediate aftermath. I'm hoping we'll see some of it once the uh, the, the uh, behind the scenes show starts toward the end of the September, but uh, that's what I've been led to believe. And and we'll see if that carries over at all. But, um, you know, it's uh, for a lot of the, put it this way, for a lot of the hockey players that, that choose not to uh, live their lives on social media, um, you know, I don't think Sidney Crosby has an has a Instagram or Twitter. Uh, he comes to mind immediately. Um, you know, a lot of these guys aren't overly active. That's probably not a bad way to go either.
1: Yeah, I don't know. And
2: one final question, and then I, I think we're we're wrapping up. Do you think the
1: Jays will make the wild card spot? Yeah, I do. I do too. Yeah. I love it. I love I love uh, August into September baseball. I think it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Look, look what just happened against the Red Sox, right? Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. This team is just reminding me, me of 15 and 16 again. Oh, um, yeah. That's the thing you're getting, right? You know, it's that sort of thing again. But and the thing with this group, too, is it, this isn't a one and done. If they don't do it this year, we know that. I mean Oh, yeah. This, this group's best years are next year, the year beyond, the year after. I mean, it's hard to believe that it's kind of funny when you look at the Bichettes of the world and, and uh, you know, Vladdy, of course, the ages, they are, it's the it's same as the Leafs thing, right? Like they're all young. They haven't done it yet. You expect they're going to get there. Yeah. One of these teams probably will I'll be curious to see which one does it first, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm a big Jays optimist right now. No, no, you can't be. Yeah, me too. Easiest <laughs> schedule in baseball to finish the season. So the yeah. optimism's yeah, the high. Yeah,
0: I'm, w- I'm wondering, though, I want to ask you one question, Terry, about the energy in the city and Josh, you can feed off this too. I haven't been in Toronto for since 2003 living there. So obviously when the Toronto Raptors went on their run, the Toronto Blue Jays went on the run 15-16, the energy around the city, does that affect other sports teams, or even uh, Toronto FC, you know, going on their runs? Does, do they all feed off that energy, obviously get pumped up? Because it's the city, all the fans get talking, everybody gets into it, and it bleeds into everybody because everybody's a fan pretty much of everything almost. I'm wondering if well, that energy carries
2: across. I know when the when the Raptors won and, and they had the parade and everything, all of the Maple Leafs took mental notes. All of them did. Yeah. They saw what it was like, you know. So that's two years ago. I, I know going – I know at camp when we were still around the players and stuff, some of the off-the-cuff conversations you have, some of the reaction was, could you imagine if we won? How many people were at that Raptors? Yeah. Two million? Yeah, 3.3 3.
0: 3 million, I think it was. Was that, that what really
2: it was? Not? It's crazy. <laughs> I, I think that if the Leafs won the Stanley Cup here, you'd just put the city on the off switch, and I don't know when it would go back on again, because it would just, you know. But, yeah, to get to your, I think, I think they do. Totally they do. You know, for sure they do. And if, and if the Maple Leafs, or sorry, the Jays have a good run here, in the fall, when the Leafs are starting to jump, come back and get geared up, I think they can feed off it. Now with fans back in the building, too. You know, yeah. we're not seeing, not a lot right now at Rogers Centre. got 15,000 roughly. But we're seeing the difference that they make. If, yeah. I'm, if I'm the Leafs right now, I'm sure some of them have been, I've already been to a few games. I don't know if any photos of that have popped up anywhere, but for the guys who are in Toronto. But, uh, you know, you're already getting the idea of what a few thousand fans in the, in the stands can do. And then how does that you know, impact well, look at the
0: emotion off of Springer when he hit oh, that yeah.
2: home run, right? it was just it was just yeah, it was like it was like a playoff moment.
0: Yeah.
2: Fans, fans, awesome. fans going crazy. And the other thing too is from the fans' point of view, we now know that when they are back at the eCC um or sorry, at the Scotia Bank Arena, <laughs> uh, that there will be pent up feelings to get out after not having seen it for a year plus. Pandemonium. So I can't imagine what it's gonna be like. It's going to be
0: a,
1: it's going to be phenomenal. I went to a, uh, I went to a Hamilton honey badgers game, which is like CBL basketball. Not yeah. really, a, not really a basketball fan, but boy, did I have fun.
2: Yeah. Phenomenal. Well, I For sure. I, I was my next door neighbor. I was talking to him just today and he he took his son to a, they were at Jay's game a couple of weeks ago. Right, right, well, I guess right around the time the fans were let right back in, maybe the second or third day. And that's what he said. He just couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Even though you kind of anticipate it and have an idea. I mean, you, we've all done it all our lives sat in the stands for these things you, you still forget if you haven't done it for quite a while yeah and yeah. also you have the like you know you might go a couple of years of going to a game in, in normal times right yeah, yeah. It game it is but that's different than this where you know that no one's been there you know a difference you, everybody. you, you also couldn't then- do
1: other things like i might not go to elite like i'm fortunate enough to be able to get tickets through my dad or through work or whatever yeah. i know some people can't but you can go and do other things like Jay's tickets, you know, if that stadium's full, you can get them for 10, 15 bucks, some, some games. Right. But, so you can do other things, but right now you've been able to do nothing.
2: That's right? right. Like you can podcast. That's yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh yeah, no, you're right. It's, I, I think that'll, that'll have uh, a nice impact on, on what the Leafs are able to do. And And like I said off the top, I just hope that, you know, uh, we're able to, the COVID cooperates this time around, and mm-hmm. now people are vaccinated and everything, and, and they can make that work. But I'm optimistic they'll be able to do it too.
0: Well, we're going to look forward to getting the fans back in the building and getting back to talking yeah. about actual meat on the bone hockey. And hopefully we get you back in after Labor Day, when things are starting to percolate a little bit and we know a little bit more. But Terry, I want to say thank you as always. You're so gracious with your time. And I want you to enjoy the rest of your summer. We promise we won't creep into your DMs until then. After Labor Day, sir.
2: That's fine, Jamie. We will go we'll with problem. I'll just ignore them anyway until after labor. How about
0: that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. I won't send any, I promise. <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah, it was good to talk to you guys. It's good to t- You know what? As much as we talk about the dog days of summer, and I, I love the passion and the fan base, I think it's great. I mean, you know, without all, without all this passion, none of us have jobs and everything. So I think it's, it's super. But I also think it's also good just to go away for a few weeks, turn it all off, and come back completely refreshed, right? So
0: 100%. Okay. Like I said, we look forward to getting you back on around. But, guys, this has been Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.